Yeah. Um, Dude, how about that Wednesday 10 years ago? <laughs> Dude. I saw that and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe we used to do shit like that. It's like all the time. And I was like, but like subconsciously, I thought, I was like, wow, that was a crazy weekend. Then I went back and looked and it was like 8.20 <laughs> p.m. Portland Towers Wednesday. And I'm like, we were awful. So irresponsible. Yeah. Yo, what's up, Beaver fam? This is episode nine of the Belligerent Beeves podcast, a.k.a. The Babays. I am Terry Horstman. Uh, with me, as always, are my co-hosts and beloved friends, J.P. Bertram and Benny Weehage. But Benny, we got a mysterious text from you that just said, the belligerent beef shirts are so dope. And both <laughs> J.P. and I were like, wait, what shirts? And you said, the shirts you sent me. And I'm going to let you take over the story from here. Uh, so my dad had, had sent me a text, I think it was last week, uh, that he was sending me something in the mail, but he had sent the shirts. It was directly from the store that he had designed them on. So it didn't say, and there was no note in there that said like, this is from your dad or like love dad or anything like that. It was just the shirts and like a receipt for them. And so I remember Jay, you had, you were talking about designing shirts with your father-in-law. And so I just thought, Hey, like maybe this is a surprise. And so <laughs> when your response back was what shirts and it, I, <laughs> I think I was probably more confused than you were. I thought you were playing a prank on me or something. And so, so, so then I remembered, I was like, oh, my dad had said that he was going to send me something. And then I was frustrated with myself because I said I was going to open it up while we were recording, uh, which I didn't do. But he sent three, uh, one for each of us. I still need to get them sent out to you guys. But Love I think for someone 60 plus, these are pretty cool. I think they're pretty cool too. <laughs> that is just so fucking awesome. Awesome. Especially since you were like, yeah, it wasn't the best first episode for my dad to listen to because I was a little ageist and didn't remember his birthday uh, for him to just listen and think I just can picture your dad. Your dad is awesome. Uh, I love your dad. But just the idea of him sitting at his computer and going to some screen printing website and <laughs> yeah. making this super thoughtful gift and then texting you, I'm going to send you something. It's a surprise. <laughs> like, that's so fucking cute shout out to yeah. you joey hedge thank you so oh, much yeah. benny yeah. just uh awesome. sa save mine for uh br bring it with you when i pick you up at, in chicago i'll bring I'll your dunmo and your podcast <laughs> sure did, did somebody say <laughs> the dunmo <laughs> so you also made dunmo shirts that's right I, I can't wait for you to wear them <laughs> for us to wear them <laughs> as a team we are we are a beaver fam family here but to wear them in an area with zero context I don't think one person from <laughs> Purdue probably I don't think one person from Purdue knows that we have someone named Dunmore on the team and I guarantee you that no one from Purdue has I heard of Andre Nicotina <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say there's at least someone who has gone to the University of Purdue who has heard of Andre Nicotina I hope uh, in the midst of all of this football excitement and football heavy content you were just a few days away from opening the season at Purdue we wanted to you know take it back a little bit and relive some of the great memories from this past March uh, and focus on the bright days ahead for Oregon State men's hoops and bring on one of our favorite podcasts, The Peyton Years. We're joined today by Sam Whiteley, one of the co-hosts of uh, The Peyton Years and a great Portland area comic. Be sure to check out his stuff and make it to a show if you can. Uh, but first, thank you to uh, at Beef Recruiting, quickly becoming our favorite Twitter account who included us in the best of Beaver podcast 
podcast poll. Uh, we did not come in first place, you guys, but we uh, we came close. We lost to the damn podcast, the institution of Angie Machado and Carter Baines, who have you know spent killing the game for a lot of years. So it's you know no no skin off our backs for you know uh, coming in second to legends like that. So congratulations to y'all uh, <laughs> on this super prestigious competition. But <laughs> as as JP tweeted on Twitter, you're gonna make the elite eight sometimes, and you're just gonna run into Houston and you know all good things come to an end don't cry because it's over beaver fam but smile <laughs> because it happened shout out to anyone who voted for us we've been doing this for three months we really still have no idea what we're doing so <laughs> of we really, course we have we, no idea we, what we're doing we we really appreciate the support from from anyone who uh who decided to vote on it was on like like poll. it had been up for 15 minutes and someone was like 10 people have voted for belligerent beeves and i'm like 10 people know who we are what the fuck is that <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Benny, we're, we're 34 years old and we still know what we're doing it isn't not just podcasting that, that's true no that that is an overarching comment about <laughs> us <laughs> anyone who voted for us uh we owe you a beer uh, if you're going to be at purdue betty and i will be there for, for you to redeem that just uh find us hit us up let us know you voted for us you know we won't we don't need to provide proof or anything like that we'll be happy to uh, uh buy you a beer um and on that same uh, you know promotion train we have stickers we have great cool dope belligerent beef stickers uh if you want one uh we're going to set up a, a store on our website and patreon at some point our super secret patreon uh but before that if you want a free one there's an easy way for you to do it all you have to do is leave a five star review for belligerent beef on Apple Podcast. Then just DM us the screenshot of the review along with an address to send it to you and we'll send you one. Uh, thank you so much for everyone who's tuned into the show so far, who voted for us on Twitter, who shared the show with a friend. It's incredible that people are even listening to this. Like we said, we're just so, we're so touched that people are choosing to spend time uh, with this podcast. Um, we said we'd do this if no one was listening. This is like what we, we do did. normally. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I, what the dopest part about it is, you know, we are good at staying in touch with each other but like we didn't call each other every week or every two weeks before this happened and now i get to see both of your guys's lovely faces more often uh we get to catch up on other stuff and we're drinking beer together while doing it so just to cheers to modern technology and cheers to communal support and uh cheers to the beeves and people who you know just love interacting with beaver related content you know a wise man once said chop them chop them chop them all right em. so we've got a couple who of hitters before i think uh you know we did. Um, <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to remember the Tyrion Lannister quote, but I, I, it's escaping me right now. You know, but a, a brave man once said, "Chop him," and that brave man was named me. So <laughs> we, we've got a couple things to talk about uh, real quick before we get to our great conversation with Sam. Um, should we start with bad news or good news? Let's start with the bad, bad. news because the good news yes. is really good. Is the good news really? I thought the good news is uh, okay. I won't be a hater. Um, we'll start with bad news, guys. But it's better. It's better to soften the bad news with the good news. That's that, right. Yeah. After everyone, works. yeah. Um, we don't know what we're doing much, but I, we do know to start off with the bad news. We know how to deliver bad news because that's all we deliver. <laughs> Our whole lives have been bad news. Bad news beeves was could have been a good name for the podcast. I still like belligerent beeves better, but we kind of are the beaver version of the bad news bears. All right, on to the bad news. Oregon State defensive lineman Isaac Hodgins had to have foot surgery and is out for eight weeks uh, as the uh, initial tweet said, will be lost for eight weeks. So JP had a great tweet about, we were lost for eight weeks once and some of us have been lost a lot longer than that. So... (laughs) 
but we're still alive. So that's, you know, optimistic. Maybe this is even good news. <laughs> you know what? I came out of summer after graduation, a better man and had a, gr- a great time being lost for eight weeks. So <laughs> we were very uh, lost for eight weeks. Right. <laughs> so Isaac Hodgins is going to be an even better player because of this. Yeah, exactly. Saying. And this is a big loss though. I mean, I'm not yeah, is. a roster analyst by any means, but uh, our D line is probably the least talked about thing that we have said in this whole podcast and losing him as an anchor of that is not great. It's the last position group we wanted this to happen to yeah. the, the last, but it's, and, and the fact that it's best case, essentially eight weeks makes me a little concerned, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Right. So he should be coming back uh, right after conference play starts then. Right. Theoretically, if it was eight weeks. Yeah. yeah. I think we'd be, we'd be lucky to have him for USC. Right. And likely, yeah. likely not. It's still just blow. I mean, this is not injury related or really about Isaac, but it just blows me away that Isaac and Isaiah are brothers. Cause they look so vastly different. Well, one's a wide receiver and one is like a defensive tackle. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. No, I realize that, but they're very very different looking people. Right. Well, you and your sister look exactly the same. So that's like kind of the opposite. Me? Facts. Yes. You and Elsa Weehage look exactly the same. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) That's true. That doesn't need to be. My sisters don't look Um, the same. So that could be. No, no. Your sisters are good looking. Oh, Um, Isaac Hodgins out for eight weeks. Uh, bad news for the Oregon State defensive line, but hey, next man up. These things will happen, and it's a mark of a good team to uh, you know weather the the inevitable injury storm, whether it happens in fall camp or uh, in November. Well, so. and hey, here, here's the silver lining to like take take uh, Purdue away, and, um, and and really like someone's going to be getting some good experience. You you obviously don't want a starting defensive lineman out for a non conference away game against a Big Ten school. But um, but against Idaho and against Hawaii, that that will be some good experience for for somebody for sure, and and that's never our, a bad thing. Our non conference could be harder. <laughs> Is oh yeah. You know. yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. As far as away games go, no disrespect to uh, the Purdue Boilermakers, but it's as intimidating as all games are when the Beavs go east, much like Stark men marching south. I may, I'm full of the Game of Thrones references tonight, guys. Nerd alert. Let's get into reality, specifically reality baseball. The good news. Uh, Adley Rutschman, you guys remember him, one of the best baseball players in Oregon State history. Number one That's pick right. in the Major League Baseball draft. But he's been promoted to AAA and also named the number one prospect prospect in baseball, which is fucking dope. I don't think any of us have ever been named the number one, anything, um, maybe ever number one, uh, ugliest contestant on sexy beast in the future. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> um, but also what's super dope about at least season. So the team he's playing for is the Bowie Bay Sox. And they sent out a, a video on Twitter of him recently going yard, at least a switch hitter going yard from both sides of the plate in the same game. And they spliced up this video to show both home runs simultaneously. And it's one of the most like hypnotizing things I've ever seen. And his form is kind of different from his right versus his left. And it's just a fascinating thing to watch. And anyway, Adley Rutschman's killing it. Adley Rutschman's the future. He's the truth. Uh, Things are going to get better for you, Orioles fans, if Orioles fans are listening. And (laughs) we're just excited. We're stoked to see Adley playing well and getting this recognition. That's dope. I uh, Every time I see anything positive about Adley, which is quite frequently, I feel like a proud dad. And it's weird to say that, but I just 
feel like I watched this guy grow from this quiet but uh, killer instinct beaver to this nationwide son. And now he's rising the ranks and doing crazy things and receiving insane recognition, like being the number one prospect in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. I just can't wait to watch what he does. And I'm like sitting here like, yeah, that's my dude. I cannot wait. I'm proud of you, Adley. I've been watching you your whole life since you went to Oregon State. Would you say you're a more proud dad of this grown man who's like 10 years younger than you than you are of your actual children? (laughs) (laughs) Do not put that on me. Do not put that on me. Back to Adley really quick. The other cool thing about that is when was the last time that the Orioles had anybody noteworthy on the, I mean the fans have to be craving Adley coming up <laughs> onto the MLB roster yeah weren't they one of those teams like a yeah. few because they were they were in the playoffs I think like maybe four years ago or something and then like it was just one of those like blow up situations where it's right. like hey we're pretty good probably won't win the World Series let's trade everyone and right. they've just been winning like 40 games a year like the last three years so if you're a diehard Orioles fan it's just like okay cool this is fun. Uh, I've, and I've heard, you know, Camden Yards is, you know, it's on, I think all of our bucket lists. I've never been right. there myself. Uh, no. I've heard coolest things about that. So um, I need to, I need to make it out there and catch an O's game. And uh, maybe, maybe we'll all, all three of us will do that once, uh, you know, Adley's promoted to the bigs. Cause you know, it's yeah. maybe, uh, any day now, maybe not this year. It's, you know, we're our, you know, we're in the dog days of summer. So if he, uh, if he sees action and, you know, September or something, that'd be fucking awesome when they can do, do they still have the JP, you watch more baseball than anyone here do they still have the september extended roster like once minor league season ends yeah it's all it's all kind of different now um i'm not sure like what the numbers are when that uh, deadline is so like, like when you can start to call people up but they change it because of the covid season um and they change like how many pitchers you can have like some of the rules are are very odd but uh he could get a call he could get a call in september cool That'd all right cool. well congratulations adley rushman the man way to go son the legend wait <laughs> <laughs> proud, proud son of <laughs> belligerent beef dad, JP Bertram. Uh, let's get, let's get to uh, the guest of honor, the comedian and co-host of the great podcast, uh, the Peyton years, the only podcast in existence solely dedicated to Oregon state men's basketball, Sam Whiteley. You can find him on Twitter at SMC stank and follow the Peyton years as well at years Peyton. Sam, thank you so much again uh, for, for being on the show with us tonight. It's great to be here. Thank you guys. I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. We start each episode uh, just because right, we have we to with being belligerent with uh, with cracking a beer, usually a craft beer, but we might get into some macro brews as you know, we keep getting in, <laughs> into more episodes and need to drink, you know, something lighter so that we can stay on our shows a little bit better. Um, but you said you're gonna gonna possibly join in on with this uh, part of the pod. Do you have a have a beer in front of you? You want me to go first? Uh, you're the guest of honor. I'd love for you to go first. Uh, well, you guys like to get more craft with it more fancy than I do, but I have something I know we're all familiar with. It's a it's a good old fashioned pint, all sixteen ounces of old German premium lager. Hell yeah! Purchased right. the store up the street from my friend's house where I am currently doing this right now. Awesome! That's awesome, man. Nice. All right, Betty, what do you, what do you have tonight? If you say Black Butte Porter again, I'm going to punch you through the Zoom screen. No, but you still might punch me through the screen. I am drinking Kowichi Creek. No, I we love <laughs> Kowichi Creek. Our our official unofficial sponsors uh the high uh, i'm sorry the hazy ipa uh the uh tanamite 
hazy IPA. It's really good. Uh, if you are in central Washington or near Yakima, uh, check out Kowichi Creek. Uh, again, our unofficial official sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Shout out <laughs> Yakima wanna, and Kowichi Creek. Don't want to get into any legal disputes there by claiming sponsors we don't have, but, <laughs> well, the, but the listeners can't see our air quotes. They can't see the air quotes and they gave your girlfriend a six pack and said, they're going to listen to the show, which I think is an illegally binding sponsorship agreement. Yeah. They would hold <laughs> up in court. All right. JP, what great notion beer are you drinking tonight? No, no, not great notion. I'm actually back on that, on the Tavor game. Uh, I'm trying to keep it. I, I saw this beer in my pack and then I had to try to keep it as close to basketball as I could. Right. There you go. And this is a beer from Masthead Brewing Company in Cleveland, Ohio. So yeah, totally left the Pacific Northwest at this point, but machine gun Kelly. Oh God. No. Okay. It's <laughs> called, <laughs> it's called flat earth, double new England IPA. So shout out Kyrie Irving, flat earther. <laughs> I, I think all of our minds went to the same place, right? <laughs> yeah, I, was, exactly. I was, I was waiting for this to come back to basketball, uh, in some way. And then I heard the words flat earth and it's like, okay, perfect. Kyrie Irving. Uh, I do not have a basketball or organization related beer. I, uh, was, my fridge was empty when I got home from work this morning. So I had to run down to the craft beer liquor store that is by my apartment. I have a laser loon Kolsch from inbound brewing company, the North loop neighborhood of Minneapolis. It's just a very, you know, easy drinking, refreshing summer beer. And I like inbound a lot. It's a small brewery, but really good. And, uh, you know, in light of the last, uh, episode seven, talking about the wilderness, there are a lot of loons in Northern Minnesota and loons are cool birds. So shout out loons and shout out inbound. That's not an homage <laughs> to, uh, the soccer team. Well, the soccer team are called the loons because of the, loons. They, and that is my favorite soccer team. So that works too. Yeah. So for sure. Well, I think what we need to do now is take these beers and raise them to uh, the Peyton Years podcast for being a podcast dedicated to Oregon State men's basketball for multiple years. Being dedicated before it was cool. Before it was cool. Before it was cool. Before like four months cool. Um, for probably a little too long. So I'm just going to start it off um, with uh, the the questions we wrote down and sent you, Sam. Being a fan of Oregon State men's basketball is an absolute practice in masochism. Just following the team is exhausting. <laughs> Podcasting on its own is exhausting and a lot of work. And you guys started a podcast dedicated <laughs> to this practice in masochism. So I just would love to hear from you, like your involvement in the Peyton years, you know, how you got started with it. Uh, and just sort of the origin story, if you don't mind. So shout out to to my co-host, Andy Clark, who couldn't be here. He's off doing cool, interesting people shit right now. But um, <laughs> the but Andy and I have known each other for a number of years. I am actually not the original co-host. Shout out to our friend Andy Peterson, who um, a season in decided I have a wife and an engineering degree. I don't need to do this anymore. And so uh, I, I had been the guest on the original iteration and stepped in from there. Um, and uh, that that was a, a good two years ago now. Wow. So how many years of your life do you think you've lost <laughs> due to being this involved? Over the There's no way I'm making it past mid fifties. I mean, like I, we really, part of the origin of, of why we got serious and wanted to have fun doing a podcast and, and really commit to seeing every game is that we would put ourselves up there against any Cubs fan, any, any Detroit Lions fan, or these more well-known long 
suffering bases that I was born in 1990 and he was born in, in 91. And in that time, up until a couple months ago, they had made one NIT. Yep. And, and that's, it's, that's 30 years of futility that matches anything right. that, that you could put up against it. The great <laughs> Sasha Chewich era making. <laughs> I really did think as a seventh grader, after I saw him torch like Iona or something that he was Dirk to me. Like I've never been able to be reasonable about it. Every year has been the year. Yeah. Great name to pull out though. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, you pull, you pull whatever you could to, to try to make these guys heroes. I remember Angelo Sakarakis wore high socks. I was a dead set that that guy was a dead eye three point shooter. He only just was the only guy on the team who shot threes and didn't make them. He was shooting them from Steph range back in the day. I mean, he didn't make most of them, but yeah, he would yeah. get hot though. Yeah. He had his moments. <laughs> Was it Nick DeWitt on that team? Nick DeWitt's, yeah. Nick DeWitt's, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the Iowa transfer, I th- the, the newcomer of the year, which is an award I don't even think they give out anymore. No. Wow. <laughs> that would be a lot harder to track these days. Right. Right. Yeah, now every now everybody's a newcomer. Right. <laughs> exactly. We can clown on uh, these old, old eras, and we're going to do more of that too, I promise. But even sure. this year, it didn't get off to a great start. Start, there was a pretty embarrassing loss to Portland. And I remember checking out before the new year and, you know, then, you know, seeing occasionally, you know, some positive results coming through and being like, okay, you know, maybe there's an NIT birth in the winds if uh, we pray hard enough. At what point this year, Sam, did you sort of see like the tide turning a little bit and start to believe that not that this team's going to make the elite eight because no one believed that, but like that this is a team that could make things interesting and could exceed some expectations? Well, and let me say this up until they beat, I think it, it, UCLA for sure. And then definitely Oregon in the, in the PAC 12 tournament, I would have thrown a party over an NIT bid, you know, that would have been absolutely <laughs> enough for me. Um, but I, I guess it was probably either right before they played Oregon to, to end the regular season or that game, which they lost because Oregon, I think was like 15 of 29 on threes and just shot the lights out. It was going to be a game where almost nobody would beat them with the talent they had but thinking that if it really took all that to beat them and they had one five or six or five out of six going into that, something like that, that they were going to be a tough out in the Pac-12 tournament. And I just had a feeling in the UCLA game, despite the fact they were down most of it, that I know they're going to win this game for some reason. And they kept showing the Tinkle family and it just, the the promise season vibe started to get thicker and thicker from that point on. You guys are really early with saying like, this is the Beavers year. I mean, you guys were calling that shot like way into early March. Yeah, I mean, uh, go all the way. We we absolutely love that that Coach Tinkle was forced to say we won't finish last at the media day. I mean, that's not exactly the most promising vibe to start your season with. But when he said, <laughs> "I promise you, we will not finish last," we we kind of ran with that and said, "This is our promise season," and it, it just kept building and building. That needs to be a shirt. <laughs> we won't finish. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I don't. They, I, I mean, we had Coach Tinkle and other members of the program 
actually on the podcast at this point, and they 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 are absolutely aware of the the promises. That's awesome. That's so awesome. <laughs> Love that. Uh, so, what were some of your uh, favorite moments personally, just from the run? That you know, it basically started. I, I like that you mentioned that that regular season finale loss to Oregon because the team did play really well, and that was coming off a good stretch. So it did, you know, look like okay, we can get a game or two and maybe make some magic happen in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, and then, of course, we all know what happened after that. Did you have any, you know, favorite moments that stood out to you uh, throughout that run? So for me, and th- a little bit selfishly, uh, one of the cooler guests that we've had on it, to me is Jason Quick. I'm a huge Blazer fan too. And so to have him on and just chop it up about basketball a little bit was very, very cool. And um, we pushed him because he's a member of the national media now about the Beaver bias and challenged him to acknowledge its presence in our everyday lives. And he kind of laughed it off. And um, it was right after halftime of the Colorado game where Jared Lucas got whacked on the arm, shooting a three that fell about a foot short, was clearly fouled. They didn't call it. He DM'd me on Twitter and said, I get what you mean about the Beaver bias now. <laughs> I won't repeat some of the language he used about what a bad no call that was. And then I had the same feeling that I had late in the UCLA game when they it, they weren't quite getting over the hump where I just felt like they're not losing this game now. There's right. there's too much behind it. Right. We've uh, joked about that game a lot because, you know, that was sort of the, that was the first of the six wins. And it was funny because the three of us, uh, only Benny could watch it. And I tried desperately yeah. to get on it. Uh, here in the Midwest, I activated the five-minute Pac-12 uh, network preview at the beginning of an eight-and-a-half-minute review. And JP, I think you were driving. <laughs> yeah, driving to California. So I had Siri reading out all of Benny's text updates because <laughs> it was coming in faster than uh, anything I could stream. Right. So Benny, did you have that same optimistic feeling that uh, we just weren't going to lose that game? <laughs> if I mean, tr- truthfully, yeah. Like, it did feel like one of those games games where even though it was really neck to neck at the end, it was Oregon state. It always felt like it was Oregon state's game to lose from like five minutes in the, uh, to go in the second half. So when it went into overtime, it, to me, it would have felt like a shock if, if uh, UCLA would have won that game, but it was, <laughs> it was fun uh, for me. Cause I knew how much you guys were relying on my texts. And there are points <laughs> in the game where you're just like, I don't, I'm not sure what's going on. So I, I know I went silent uh, uh, for a fair amount of time there, but yeah, it was great. It was after those, like few minutes where you hadn't said anything and we we're like what the fuck is happening and you said gianni hunt just hit the shot clock <laughs> and we're like what does that mean <laughs> oh my god uh yeah that was that will live uh um forever in my mind um so transitioning from talking about last year's team you know now to this year's uh the 2021-22 roster appears to be set I, th- I think it's weird to ever say that a roster is set in college sports just with the activity in the transfer portal that happens constantly. But for what we what we know, this will be the group we're, we're going with. And, you know, this is uh, the most anticipated season of basketball, uh, you know, since the actual Peyton years, the first Gary Payton years, probably <clears throat> maybe right. longer. Uh, so, Sam, I know you recently got a chance to see uh, uh, an in-person practice with Andy, and we're going to ask about that as well. But just what are your expectations? Expectations and what do you think are reasonable expectations? I know you called this the most athletic collection of players that an Oregon State team has had in a while. What are we supposed to do with the expectations of recently feeling the high of an elite eight over 
overshadowing the previous, you know, 39 years of disappointment. Right. Well, what's interesting is that usually when a team only loses two guys, it you would think it would look very similar the next season, but that's not going to be the case. There's, I, I mean, six or seven new faces, um, only one of which is a true freshman, Glenn Taylor. Um, it, they're very, very talented. They're far from a finished product. Um, but I expect the guys that were there last year to come back a little bit better. I mean, obviously, this is a not quite normal year yet. We're still in a pandemic, but uh, it's a lot closer to it than we were at this time a year ago. And so for that reason, they're in better shape. They've been playing five on five. They haven't been quarantining and isolating. So it, it sets up to be very exciting, but there are challenges with bringing that many new people aboard too. Nice. And is there a, a specific new player that you think fans should be excited about? I know there's a, there's a lot of guys who come in with, you know, some pedigree, but uh, if you had to pick one or two that, you know, could crack the lineup or, you know, get some serious minutes and make a difference on the team. They're all very intriguing. I mean, they did, they're there for a reason and uh, they're all pretty exciting. But if you had to pick one, it would be Deshaun Davis, who was a junior college all-American guy at Trinity Valley, he's a 6'3 guard. He is the most obvious person to kind of replace with Ethan Thompson provided. And they're not the same player. I think he might be more talented. His junior college numbers are video game numbers. And so he's ready for a step up in competition. He's a Bronx guard. I'm kind of in love with him. He's been on our podcast. I have a bias to the two guys on the team that bet taking time to go on the Peyton years. But he the most likely to make a big splash to me. Nice. Who, who do you think is going to be the go-to player next year? Because for me, it seems like it would be between Alatiche or Jared Lucas. Yeah, I was going to say, is this the year Jared Lucas becomes Steph Curry? <laughs> he's getting there. Yeah, I mean, he's only going to get better. And I think he's he's getting, he looks good. He's in shape. He's added a little bit of weight. So I'm hoping he'll be able to score in different ways and, and instead of just being the three-point sniper threat guy. But yeah, he's gotten better. Um, Alatiche, to me, is likely to be a first team all pack 12 guy um, but as far as being the go-to guy it depends kind of what you mean by that I don't know that either one of those guys is going to be the leading scorer that could be Davis to me I'm very high on him nice. and so like I mean last year Ethan Thompson I think was clearly the best player especially offensively and and that go-to guy that you talk about this year it may be more by committee um, I, I really don't know I honestly I didn't know this until listening to to your guys's latest episode, but apparently Alatiche was really close to uh, cracking the roster for Nigeria in the Olympics, which was a team that has NBA talent on it, and you know made made some noise. And uh, their coach Mike Brown, you know, gave him you know a pretty good endorsement publicly about where his game is going. So. It sounds like he, you know, going through the NBA draft process and then obviously he's coming back to school, but it sounds like he's been having a pretty productive summer and putting in the work. Uh, what did you notice about him at the practice that you and Andy were able to go to? And are you optimistic that he can, uh, you know, keep keep ascending from what he did last year? What we saw, you know, as far as the practice, nothing that, that we didn't expect. I mean, the biggest thing for him, especially as an NBA prospect, is becoming a better perimeter shooter. And he is getting there slowly. Um, but yeah, all, all I think that that experience trying out for the Nigerian national team only helped him. Uh, I, I think he's probably going to be, if not in the first round,
around than at least the first Beaver to be drafted at all since Jared Cunningham. He's just too much potential. He's been a late bloomer. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, and will you sort of talk us through the rest of like what that uh, practice experience was like? I know you can't give us anything too on the inside or anything, you know, that the coaches, you know, like told you guys off the record, but getting invited down there personally, just as, you know, fans who have a podcast, I think is just really cool and speaks to uh, Wayne Tinkle and his staff and everyone in the Oregon State Athletic Department, you know, being open to stuff like that. And you guys getting to have lunch with them just sounds awesome. I don't think any of us have been inside the new basketball facilities either. Like no. what were those like? And just sort of uh, the experience of that day and, you know, anything that you can brag about to our listeners, you know, go ahead. I said on our podcast, it's like I, I never thought that we'd actually be rewarded for spending as much time as we could watching basketball voluntarily. It just like like you guys said, it's so cool that the, the staff is into it on the level they are. Um, and, you know, other big time power five programs talk about their fan base as being like family and community, but don't actually mean that. And this shows that the, these guys do. And Coach Ankle's hilarious. He he loves to give us shit for, for being as dedicated to this as we are. And um, <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, the, the facilities are incredible. Um, hard to describe. We they're multi level, you know, glass exterior, all the things you would want. The only complaint we had was that there was not a rubber ducky in the urinal that I used, which I thought <laughs> I was should have there should have been. And it's still, you know, I think it's still they're adding to it slowly. So that's what what our one piece of feedback was. But yeah, they cracked us <laughs> up at one. Um, shout outs to Sean Scheffler, who's the associate AD yeah. and media relations person who's always hitting us up. They sent us some gear after that. And we know we'll be back down to bother those guys some more again. That's so dope. I was going to ask you who the funniest coach on the team was because it's not like I spent a, lot, spent a lot of time with him. Is, is it Coach Tinkle? I had a, a Twitter exchange with Tinkle years ago where I said that we needed to bring back our uniforms back to like the original, you know, Gary Payton arrow style. And he wrote, all he wrote back was maybe we should bring back the shorts length as well. And so clearly <laughs> he wanted nothing yeah. to do with the, the uniforms. He just likes the shorts. So shout out to you, Tinkle. Like I say, together we tinkle. We got right. you. I was going to ask you to respond to the several hundred together. We tinkle <laughs> hashtags that you sent into the Twitterverse. <laughs> no, 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 not yet. At least right. I think he, he removed, himself from Twitter pretty permanently a number of seasons ago. He may have been doing it a little bit when he first got the job. Um, but yeah, he they're all very down to earth, love to, to give each other shit and crack jokes. I mean, it's you can't imagine that it's like that everywhere. Right. Right. That's cool. That's so awesome. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the NBA draft when we're talking about Alatiche because you guys covered the NBA draft on uh, your, your pod, which we won, which we won. Which one? Which I'm, I'm we gonna, were the clear winner. We were the night, clear yes. winner, despite not having a single player drafted. But the stat you shared, and credit to to you guys for uh, doing this research and broadcasting it and putting it into the world. Oregon State basketball was seven and three against first round picks. And my question to you is: Should we hang a banner in Bill Gill Coliseum? <laughs> for winning the 2021 NBA draft for being seven and three against first round picks. I think we put it right next to the 2008 CBI championship banner. I, yeah. <laughs> we're over at this point. <laughs> Maybe by right by it, but a little bit larger banner. Yo, uh, I mean, our biggest thing 
on our podcast with that type of stat is that you would think all those things would trump having a quadrant four loss and keeping you outside of the Ken Palm top 45, even though you're one of the final eight teams in the country playing. But whatever. I mean, we will never get over that. Um, But yeah, it's just one more reminder that what a team they became the second half of the year. Yeah. Wait, did we we really finish out of the outside the top 40 in Ken Palm's final rankings? Yes. (laughs) Fuck Ken Palm then yeah well it's yeah. Ken Palm although we do want him to come on our podcast and oh. explain <laughs> that's from the belligerent beefs right that's that's yeah, from right. that's, that's our from sentiment the ba- only the bad kids <laughs> yeah yeah we want to talk it out still, Ken. Yeah, no, it, what'll infuriate you, infuriate you, excuse me, even more than that, is that it took until the final ranking, I think, of the season for them to surpass Utah, who was fucking terrible last season. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that, and, and that's, that is, uh, I guess, a discredit to us losing to University of Portland. Correct. As well as Wyoming and all these what? other schools. Yeah. I, I just, but at that point, addition, we beat Cade Cunningham, are there still like, well, the Portland loss in December is clearly dead. It's a very flawed system that, yes, weighs that like more than beating Cade Cunningham to win your sixth straight game or whatever it was. Right. Yeah, it was like it it did and like it's hard because I don't you know no one wants to just sort of be like the Wendy Weiner and complain about like the national like beaver bias too but it kind of felt like that too even when like we beat Loyola because like you know the big big you know mainstream media was had that game penciled in as Illinois versus Oklahoma State which everyone wanted and it ends up being Oregon State Loyola but Loyola is still kind of running the from the final four you know um, diaper dandy dick vitality <laughs> shit from a couple years ago sister Jean being like national phenomenon and we won in like an ugly game and like it seemed like the only people sort of hopping on this Oregon State train were, were us and you know like Sports Center and everyone else is like oh yeah they play they play good defense they were good and then they moved on it's just like why can't we catch any of that hype right it, I we had some kind of over under on the amount of times they would show sister during that game versus the amount of times they showed the Tinkle family and it was like 13 to one or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I feel like that's what made it feel so good though, is that like there wasn't a giant bandwagon that people jumped on. It was still just like us that were cheering for the beeves, even in the elite eight. It really didn't seem like they captured the country's imagination. Like when they won the first baseball one, and that's not the same thing, college baseball, not as big of a thing, but everybody fell in love with them. They had like celebrities there wearing beaver shirts and in college basketball is a little bit different, but yeah, they everybody was for Sister Jean that day. Everybody was for Cade the game before that. Yeah, right, right. It was it was frustrating. Us against the world. Um, nice. So uh, how oh, we prefer it? Right. <laughs> Ex- exactly. <laughs> um, so I gotta ask how how you got to have lunch with the coaches at Oregon State. What did you guys uh, have to eat, and uh, how was the food? It was delicious. It was burgers. I don't know from where they were in styrofoam to go okay. containers, and I'm a fry sauce guy Calabaloos. and they came with a fry sauce on the burger so i was you know i was nice. happy nice Calabaloos. i haven't been to Calabaloos since being a student at oregon state yeah, yeah. wait Cal- was that in the <laughs> it, it was in where, that's it, it was I, in you spent all your money in the mu commons 
You never yeah, went to West. Yeah, it was in West and it was in uh, the McNary Dying Hall as well. I was it a was, McNary yeah. freshman year. West is Ooh. where they had uh, Ring of Fire too, right? Yes, Ring of yeah. Fire was good. That place was so good. Nice. So you guys, did you guys get to uh, check out any other, uh, you know, Corvallis spots while you're down there? We really didn't. We right. we uh, got there. They're doing them. Well, I guess I can divulge this. They, it took place in the morning. So we we got, the, we had to kind of, we, we both live in the Portland area. So we, we got there, got up early and raced down there and had stuff to do later in the afternoon. But it's always great to be back in Corvallis, even if it's just for a second. For sure. True. Yeah. I really want to make it to a, a football game this year. That's not at Purdue. Actually, the last, the <laughs> The last thing I did before the pandemic hit was I was at senior day for the men's basketball game. And there was literally like the next day things started shutting down. I remember being in Gill, like kind of looking around, like, are people coughing? Like, this is kind of weird. So I'm actually, <laughs> I'm really excited to go back to do anything in, in Corvallis. And yeah, football's coming up and I'm, I'm thrilled for that. But it'll be really nice to kind of like complete the circle on this whole pandemic and go back to Gill and like and see a game live. So fingers crossed we're going to be able to do that. But uh, yeah, that's that will be for me closure on this last like 18 plus months. For sure. Yeah, because we unfortunately for the this rendition of the Beavs were going on that kind of run. They didn't get to have fans at anything really. I know. Which maybe in a, an empty arena, you hear Tinkle's family screaming louder. <laughs> it's it's more clear. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that could have been a big competitive advantage for us. But uh, it's even, you know, like at the beginning of the, the Robinson era, that was when, you know, people started getting excited and being at Gill for a sellout versus, you know, the end of the J. John era was just electric. Let's not. So, let's not go in there. But. It's taken so little over the years for people locally to really get behind Oregon State basketball. I remember going to J. John games that were packed out. I mean, he is arguably the worst Pac-12 coach in the history of coaches. But there were some highs there, man. I mean, he has still the third best season in the past 31 years or so of oh, Oregon State God. basketball. Yeah. <laughs> when he Guys. became an assistant at Cal, JP reminded him of how terrible he was. Oh, yeah. When he came Oregon back, State. I let him know. And there was no one in the Beaver Dam then. So he, he heard yeah. me loud and clear for sure. <laughs> I was actually thinking about this the other day. And I don't know, Sam, if you know the answer to this or not. It might be before your time. But when, when I was a freshman at OSU, and maybe this was just me being duped as a stupid freshman, but being in the Beaver Dam was literally like a membership. I think you had to pay like 50 bucks to get a Beaver Dam member card and a Beaver Dam t-shirt. And you cannot sit in the Beaver Dam or get a t-shirt unless you join this membership. And I thought I was in this like super sick, exclusive club. And then the next year they were like, yeah, we couldn't get enough people to sign up. So here's a shirt for free and have fun in the Beaver Dam. So maybe it was just somebody messing with me in the dorms, but uh, I'm 100% sure still in my mind that at one point the beaver dam was full and it was be all it was members only and back then they used to lay out cards like like uh note cards of of tidbits about the other team say this when this guy has the ball boo this guy like all all the information you can ever need all the shit you could ever want on on uh, the other team and your opponent and they used to lay that out on the bleachers for us to go read. And then it all just disappeared. What year was your freshman year? Oh, five, oh, five. oh six. 
So yeah, I, like I, you, you guys are, I think are a little bit older than I am, but as a, as a kid in my early teens, I remember there being so much more effort put into that student section and they just yep. didn't have the participation to continue that, especially yep. by the time I was down there, it was pretty much done for. Right. It seems to be coming back. At least it was before the pandemic. It seems pretty lively. Some of the games that I was at in 20, I don't know, 2020, I guess, 2019, 2020. Right. JP, did the fellow student who sold you a, beaver dam <laughs> membership also sell you an elevator pass and a used car and a bunch of other shit on your 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 first week on campus as a bright-eyed freshman they had a table set up in uh mcnary okay. and i was like this must be legit right like they're inside of dining hall <laughs> <laughs> my freshman year was the next year and i remember beaver dam cards but i also remember tickets being free so maybe they tried no, no to tickets are free them. but they, they they would move you up to the upper level right if you wanted to be standing in the beaver dam you had to pay and that's the only way you got a damn shirt and a card that a laminated card yeah. i was a sucker for anything that was felt exclusive clearly right <laughs> right i was with you i i can uh second that <laughs> So then, Sam, for going back to this year, uh, would you say that it would be reasonable expectations uh, for Oregon State to make the tournament again this year? It's it's very, very possible to me. I mean, the big the one big question mark is replacing Ethan Thompson. And it's not as if they don't have the talent to do that. This is a more talented team. But yeah, when you lose a senior leader who was your leading scorer and assist guy and averaged four or five rebounds a game and was a four-year starter, that's tough. But um, it's, it doesn't have to be one guy. Like I said, I think Deshaun Davis, who will be a first-year dude for them, is the most obvious answer there to replace most of that. But it's Trey Williams, the Minnesota kid, uh, obviously Lucas, Gianni Hunt, and some of the Maurice Kalu guys they're bringing back, all figure to be better. Alatiche, of course. Um Okay, so we we lose Ethan, we lose his playmaking ability, we lose his scoring, but he wasn't like the most vocal leader, right? He kind of led by example. Who's going to like fill that void? Is there is there somebody that's going to be coming in to be a more vocal leader? Is it going to be kind of that same, hey, we're all walking the same path, just follow me kind of thing? Or who who's going to be the player that steps up and fills that, that role? To me, Lucas and Hunt, I mean, those guys have played a lot their freshman and sophomore years. They're more vocal, kind of swaggy dudes anyways. And now they're upperclassmen, so they both expect mm. to take on a bigger role um whether they do or don't uh, i think they still those are the veteran guys now and so along with alatiche although he is a more cerebral guy he it's only his second year in the program um so that would be my expectation mm. nice cool we didn't get a chance to send this uh, out to you sam because we uh, i think it was john rossing tweeted about it uh after we sent you an email as we were kind of you know getting you know ready just a few a uh, few hours ago but the field for the PK 85 in 2022 is apparently set according to multiple sources. And I'm just going to read the names off that uh, Rossing tweeted in the same order. Uh, this would be for November of next season in Portland. Um, and the field would be Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, Yukon, Xavier, Gonzaga, Alabama, Florida, Michigan State, Purdue, West Virginia, Iowa State, Oregon. 
Oregon State, Portland, <laughs> and Portland State. I know we, we were in the, like, was it, is this the PK-80? Was that the year we were in it and played Oklahoma no, no. or something like that? Or No, that was that was in 2019. Yeah, that was just a game at the Moda Center in the 2019 season. We were not invited to the original PK-80. Stanford got to oh, be the other right. Pac-12 team. Okay, so moving on up, we're a part of the enemy's little birthday party. Uh, <laughs> womp womp. But, I mean, getting a chance to be, uh, I, I don't care for Phil Knight. Uh, I don't care for uh, that school, you know, uh, just south on I-5. But getting a chance to be, you know, sort of in a preseason tournament, you know, I remember being excited about being included in tournaments with like Vanderbilt and Texas back in the Craig Rab era. And, you know, just uh, some some of these other sort of fun preseason tournaments that ultimately don't really mean anything, but are a good chance to, you know, play some uh, big time non-conference opponents. So uh, just curious to sort of feel like hear everyone's, you know, reaction from that. Um, I'll probably come to Portland and assuming the world hasn't ended by November of next right. year. Um, but yeah, I th- <laughs> seeing Duke, North Carolina, and then a number of other teams that are always good and a number of teams that were good last year is pretty exciting. So um, I don't know how the first peak Phil Knight birthday invitational worked, <laughs> uh, but seems like it'll be a fun opportunity. Um, even if that, uh, that, you know, school we love to hate is involved in kind of running the show. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. I mean, I, I did attend a game in the original one. I watched Gonzaga play Ohio state um, in a game that tipped off on 10 at 10 PM on Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> so that was an interesting experience. But, and, uh, cool. No, right. I, I was beyond pissed that they weren't invited to the original one. Although it's not like anyone should have expected them to. It's hard to imagine that they would have been invited to this one without making the elite eight run. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I just hope that they return a lot of guys from this year's team and they're set up to be really good in it. Yeah. Well, how much this field is about money, right? If you think about the, who they're drawing as fans. Most of it, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and certain big name schools are going to balk at that because they don't want to go play three good teams in three days that early in the season. And so it's it's cool they accepted the offer. First, I don't think the Beavers would ever turn down something like this, but other, right. you know, props to North Carolina and Duke um, for for coming out and hopefully getting this shit kicked out of them two or three. <laughs> That'd be great. Right. What would be like, uh, in terms of, you know, like athletic department revenue and what it actually means to be involved in events like this? Uh, I know Oregon State's sort of always at the bottom and, you know, terms of, you know, money generated and things like this. And is being included in events like the, you know, the PK. 85 with you know some like blue bloods and big spending programs is that does that move the needle much for uh, Oregon State athletics or is it basically like being part of the Sun Bowl yeah I mean I I don't know exactly but I would think that it probably does as much as making a Sun Bowl and I will say it beats the shit out of losing to Ohio State 77 to 38 and getting a quarter million dollars that way right and, and so <laughs> I yeah I mean I yeah, right like I don't think that it it has the same same impact as some other things that on the, that the football team can do, but for the men's basketball team in November, yeah, it's as good as they're going to be doing. Right. Yeah. That is going to be like the premier preseason tournament, I would imagine. And with all 
the, I mean, obviously you don't know exactly where those teams are going to be ranked, but you'd figure that you have a handful of top 10 teams and another handful of top 25 teams, right? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it's the only one that's going to be 16 teams. I mean, most of those are four, maybe eight little bubbles. I think even the Maui Invitational is only eight. And so, yeah, they only do this one every five years for a reason. They use two different gyms for it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a very unique situation. So yeah, it's the one to be in for sure. Right. Got that's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. I'm putting it on on the calendar right now. I will absolutely miss Thanksgiving with my family to watch us win Phil Knight's birthday party. Yeah. yeah it, <laughs> this is only every five. Right. So for sure. All right. I got uh, just a couple other like sort of like random, you know, funny questions. Uh listening to your guys' uh latest pod, you mentioned uh, a, a couple funny moments from the Craig Robinson era, uh, which an era I covered the team for the daily barometer. I was at most of the games in the in year one of uh, Robinson's first year. So that CBI championship is very dear to us. Um, and you, but you mentioned, uh, I won't steal the story totally, but just the idea that there was a fight in practice one day between Ahmad Starks and Joe Burton is probably the <laughs> imagery I've ever heard in my life. So just with that in mind, if you want to elaborate on hearing about that at all, you can, but just, uh, I don't have a ton more detail than that. Um, I, I, I wish I had some time thinking about five foot eight Ahmad Starks fighting six foot seven Joe Burton. <laughs> I love this. Right. I mean, just and you think about how you watch basketball and you you tr- you turn into the body language police and you think like these guys don't like each other and maybe that's true with that team it clearly was they they were and this was clearly towards the if Ahmad was there it was towards the end of the Craig Robinson era anyways and he did transfer after that season by yeah. the way to Illinois um yeah it just kind of encapsulates this whole six-year era in one quick little anecdote <laughs> that your right. 5'8 shoot first point guard got in a fist fight with your 6'8 300 pound pass first point center right <laughs> nice do you have any other just fond fond memories of the the six years of of craig robinson at the helm because there were some weird teams and some oh. weird years well so like a question that we like to ask guests that are fans or have been around oregon state basketball and in, in media capacities a long time is like what's your worst memory or like the low point and mine is that um so craig robinson's second year we're coming off a cbi victory yeah. we're Thinking over 500, bringing everybody back. It's going to be, we're going to be packing Gill. And uh, they were pretty much equally mediocre. They went like 14 and 17, lost to some bad mid-major teams early in the year. And it was a very underwhelming year, but they accepted a bid to the CBI. And at that point, I was 19 years old. I was living with my dad and we were aware that it cost $50,000 to play a home game in that tournament. And so why they did that, I'll never understand. And so we had, we felt like an obligation to go. And I swear to you that that day they could, it looked like a game you would have watched last spring, like with COVID restrictions, there was maybe 14 people there and Boston University beat them like 56 to 30 or something. I remember was, that. I was like the, the halftime score, excuse right. me. And so we took off early and I 
think that was like the mo- the most foolish I felt for being a dedicated supporter of that program. I re- I remember that I was not at that game, thank God. But I just remember shocking. Yeah. Or afterwards, because like that season, Benny, you I was playing, you you and I were hanging out all the time back then. And I remember us being like, this is like the year that like the tide turns, and like we're gonna be yep. here when like something special like gets started, and like Oregon State base basketball is gonna be a cool thing now. And then I just remember that season going so poorly, and then like looking at the score the next day was like Boston 90 Oregon State 50 and I was like did the fucking Celtics show up like how did this happen (laughs) I didn't know Boston University had a basketball team no offense to Terrier Nation but I didn't know they played basketball oh that was they had like a travel party of like eight people behind the bench and they were just like having a a chat with the players (laughs) like kind of just laughing at the absurdity of the situation they were in that they like it was a waste of their time too they flew across the country to do that <laughs> and corvallis is not the easiest town to travel to so i mean right happy for them that uh they actually at least got got something something out of it and it's those memories that you keep even as we enter this this exciting new era yeah gotta remember that was that the year where we had like joe burton and angus brant and uh, who else was up? Eric I think, Moreland. I think that was, or was that after? That would have been before Moreland. Joe Burton might have been a freshman on that team or a sophomore, maybe. Yeah. I mean, the, I haven't heard the name Angus yeah. Brandt in so long, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Angus, Angus Brandt and Reese Murphy are a dynamic Australian duo. Come on the podcast. Yes. It'd, it'd be fun to hear from them. Angus Brandt was on that team along with uh, Roland Schaffenar. Mm. Uh, yeah. And Josh Tarver was on that team. Team. Oh man, Josh, Josh was still on the team that year. Yeah, in okay. Yeah. Lathan Wallace, I remember, was another yes. one that was there at that time. Yeah, my favorite name from that era is Ricky Clatt, who was gone after the CBI championship, but him uh, filling up the the box score and pouring twenty eight on UTEP to bring the championship back home to to Corvallis was uh, an, an incredible incredible memory. We we've talked about this spot a little bit, but we were all watching at Clods. JP was watching it from the sidewalk outside of Clods because Clods' TV was the only TV in Corvallis that got the channel that carried the CBI. I remember that. I was I was 18 at that time <laughs> and uh, figured I wouldn't be able, they wouldn't let me in. But yeah, I, watching that on a grainy laptop screen, you know, as if I had to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Just can't miss TV. Yeah, it was our championship moment that we should do a, a one shine moment video with just cuts of the 2008 CBI tournament. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I know is you guys video footage anywhere. Maybe. If, yeah, you'd have to get a hold of the Dish Networks archive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, was, it was a Mark Cuban's <laughs> channel for a while. So we, yeah, that's send right. A, send a DM to Mark Cuban. Be like, hey, hey man, <laughs> we've got some games we we need to revisit. Um, Sam, I know what you guys. Uh, I'll talk to this a little bit on um, uh, on your pod, but also we got NBA Summer League going on. Basketball never never sleeps, especially in the summer of 2021. Um, and there's actually you know some pretty good Oregon State flavor represented in Summer League with a, a GP2 on uh, JP's Warriors, uh, your Ooh. favorite Beaver ever on your hometown team. Jay, I know you're excited about that. Uh, Hell yeah. Eat- 
Ethan Thompson has played at least one good game for the Bulls and Trace Tinkle has played at least one good game for the Lakers. Um, have you been able to watch uh, much summer league and uh, how have our guys uh, been looking and what you've been able to catch so far? A little bit. Yeah. Not as much as I, I would have liked, but it, it's exciting that not only to have three guys, but that they're all playing well. And I mean, if GP two is going to be a two way guy, if not with the Warriors somewhere else, he's kind of established at that level. Ethan just kind of continues to bear, like just slightly exceed whatever expectations they they seem to have for him post-college and and so I'm hoping that that he ends up on their G League affiliate and what's cool about Trace is that this is the second time the Lakers have signed him to like an Exhibit 10 deal so clearly they like him and more recently Andy and I have been going out to the Portland Pro-Am games just at Park Rose and he is killing people in it nice. which obviously a pro player should do but he he seems healthy and spelt and and like an, another guy who has a shot legitimately right well I remember watching the March Madden games and be seeing trace in the stands like and just like looking at like our, our like sending text to you guys just feel like trace looks like he's ready to play like i haven't seen him in a while but like he looks like he's been he's been working so that's yeah that's great to hear and just thinking about him sharing a locker room with lebron james maybe one day is you know it's just right it's it's what the all-time scorer in oregon state history deserves in my opinion <laughs> speaking of uh exhibit 10 guys and oregon state affiliation and my warriors uh uh, Ja'Cory McLaughlin, you know, who transferred out of the program yeah. uh, after coming from Washington, he's actually showing out pretty nicely for the Warriors this summer league. People are talking about him, him maybe potentially landing a two-way with the Warriors. Um, and I actually saw another blurb come through that GP2, he got his, um, he, he was extended a bit for deciding on his contract. They're going to wait until like uh, September. They like filed for an extension on it. And the reason being is he's ineligible for two-way with the Warriors, but they're trying to see if they can like push him past that point and sign him for like a, a minimum uh, and retain him on the roster. So potentially a guy on NBA roster with the Warriors uh, would be GP2 and also uh, Ja'Cory McLaughlin on a two-way. So pretty interesting to watch what happens and what unfolds there. That'd be cool. I, I am a, an o- Portland person through and through, so I have disdain for the Warriors. But if they <laughs> had that much Oregon State flair to them, I would probably have to come around some at least. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're right at about an hour. Um, so Sam, thank you so much for uh, taking the yeah, time man. to chat. This won't be your, uh, your only time on the show. That's for sure. Um, oh, yeah. definitely. Unless Beaver you want f- it to be, unless you want it to be. <laughs> then it's Not at all. Anytime. No, we, yeah. The Beaver podcast community is, is a, small but strong one. exactly we were talking about that earlier too so you know if you're listening uh start your own beaver podcast you know we need uh we need some 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 more uh some more representation uh in the in the blogosphere um his name is sam whiteley ladies and gentlemen at smc stank on twitter co-host of the pay in years podcast that is at years pay in on twitter and anywhere where you get your podcasts um and be sure to uh follow and subscribe and uh you know pay attention as a uh, oregon state men basketball uh runs back to the elite eight and even further for a second second year in a row anything else would probably still be okay because we've been through far worse so um, (laughs) i know it's a a very football heavy time of year so we wanted to be sure to get a basketball episode in because you know we uh we first started talking about this you know podcast in march of 2020 and you know our basketball team being really good was like ah we should probably start this now so we can talk about stuff (laughs) um so it's credit to wayne tinkle and his team that we're even here uh thank you uh so much again sam um and yeah we'll be sure to uh have a beer or something 
something in, in person in Portland sometime and uh, go Beavs. And as you guys end your pod, fuck the Ducks. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Appreciate you guys. All right. Yeah, appreciate man. you too, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on, Sam. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much to Sam Whiteley. Uh, again, that Twitter handle of his is at SMC stank on Twitter. He's the co-host of the Peyton years podcast at years Peyton on Twitter. Give them a follow like, and subscribe. Give them a five-star review on Apple podcasts. It's a great podcast. Uh, all things, Oregon state men's basketball. Uh, they cover it better than anyone that endorsed as recently by the entire Oregon state coach staff. I don't think Wayne Tinkle would get you burgers and have you come down to Corvallis and have lunch at the Beaver Athletic Facility if you were doing a bad job. So Peyton Years podcast, Oregon State men's basketball, get into it. So thank you. Yeah, subscribe. Subscribe, like, follow, all that good stuff. And you know, we'll send we'll send you a sticker. We'll send you a sticker for anything positive. That's basically the <laughs> the, the COVID joke. vaccine, five-star review, follow right. Five-star review for our friends, liking tweets, whatever. It's very minimal. We just saying hi <laughs> in West Lafayette. We're spreading love to Beaver Nation and the Beaver fam. That is what we are here for. Um, thank you again to Beaver Recruiting for including us generously in that poll. Um, it's definitely, you know, helped. I think some people find us uh, and find find the show. Again, if you would like a sticker, please, please, please uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and then slide into our DMs and we will send you that sticker. Again, if you're going to be in Purdue, we basically owe you a beer and Benny and I will be happy to redeem that for you somewhere in uh, the West Lafayette area, looking like it's going to be Lafayette Brewing Company. Uh, that's going to be the spot for Friday night. We'll figure out where the Saturday tip tailgate is no doubt uh thank you to everyone for listening to the show for sharing with a friend uh we'll be back with some more football content and all of your oregon state storylines and of course more belligerence with another episode soon so we'll hope to see you all again thank you for tuning in now shop them shop them shop them